Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. We're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 1, The History of the Life of Ajmil. Text number 27. Sa ivam vaktaman nogyo Brichu kala upastite Matim chakara tanaye Palle narayana Vaye Sa evam vattamanogyo Mrichu kala upasite Matim achakara tanaye Vale narayana vaye Sa evam battamandogyo Mrichu kala upastite Matim chakra tanaye Balendrayanabaye Sa that ajmil Evam Thus, Bhattamanha, living, Agya, foolish, Mrichukale, when the time of death, Upastite, arrived, Matimchakara, concentrated his mind, Tanahe, on his son, Bale, the child, Narayana Ahave, whose name was Narayan. Translation When the time of death arrived for the foolish Ajamil, he began thinking exclusively of his son, Narayan. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. In the second canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, 2, 1.6, Sukadeva Goswami says, Itavan Sankhyogabhyam Svadhamma Parinishtaya Janmalabha para pumsam anti narayana smiti. The highest perfection of human life achieved either by complete knowledge of matter and spirit, by acquirement of mystic powers, or by perfect discharge of one's occupational duty is to remember 
the personality of Godhead at the end of life. Somehow or other, Ajmil consciously or unconsciously chanted the name of Narayan at the time of death, Anti Narayana Smriti. So, of course, Prabhupada quoting from that verse from Bhagavatam 216, the last line, Anti Narayana Smriti. So he did remember. He fulfilled that verse. And therefore, he became all perfect simply by concentrating his mind on the name of Narayan. So he became all perfect, complete success. Um, if one, as Prabhupada says, if we rem remember the, uh, God at the last point of our life, in simple language, our whole life is successful. <laughs> uh, if not, for the foolish, we'll discuss that. What is their position? It may also be concluded that Ajmil, who was the son of a Brahmana, was accustomed to worshipping Narayan in his youth because in every Brahmana's house there is worship of the Narayan Shila. This system is still present in India. It's still present in Melbourne. <laughs> I get my daughter, we, we have uh, 41 shalagrams at home, and my daughter, since she was a little girl, few years old, has been helping to worship the Narayan Shilas. Uh, this system is still present in India. In a rigid Brahmana's house, there is Narayan Seva or worship of Narayan. Uh, therefore, although the contaminated Ajamil was calling for his son, by concentrating his mind on the holy name of Narayan, he remembered the Narayan he had very faithfully worshipped in his youth. So these, um, we see that uh, Ajmil, naturally, at that time of death, calling Narayan, Narayan, by the grace of the Lord, he also helped him to remember the Narayan Sheila, the form of Narayan he had worshipped as well. So that stays with one, perhaps over many lifetimes. It's quite possible to worship a shalagram or a deity in one life, and if one takes birth again by the grace of that deity, one will come worship that deity, and one, one may even remember. I was watching a little video uh, someone posted of their little daughter. Now, she's probably, she's just able to say a word in a child's language. So what's that? You know, a year, maybe, somewhere around there. So the mother chants the Dhammadarashtakam and because she always chants that, she leaves the last word off and the baby says it. Right, so the la have you, anyone seen that video? <laughs> so, you know, this is coming from a previous life. There's no doubt about it. Little baby. So each verse, she'll do the whole verse. Each verse. When she gets the last line of the stanza, she leaves it and the baby says it. That would be good. 
So, um, in this regard, Srila Sridhar Swami expressed his verdict as follows. Eat, touch, uh, and, and of course, um, you know, when, when something is very, very significant, hard to understand, or most commonly misunderstood, then we need the Acharya's opinion to very clearly express what it is. And Prabhupada will put every word of the Sanskrit in to make sure it cannot be changed in any way. <laughs> so, According to the Bhakti Siddhanta, it is to be analyzed that because Ajamil constantly chanted his son's name Narayan, he was elevated to the platform of bhakti, although he did not know it. So imperceptible, and of course, in the previous verse, Srila Prabhupada also explains that process of Igyada Sakriti, that one may be performing bhakti, even though one doesn't know one is performing bhakti, or one may even be unwilling, and somehow, but somehow one, by the grace of the Lord, especially if chanting the holy name, uh, will get the benefit of performing bhakti. And the result of performing bhakti is that one remembers the Lord. Um, similarly, Srila Vida Raghava Acharya gives this opinion, evam vatmanaha sadvija mrichu kale Upatiste Satyagyo Narayana Ke Putra Iva Matim Matim Ashaktam Akurod Ichyata. Although at the time of death he was chanting the name of his son, he nevertheless concentrated his mind upon the holy name of Narayan. So that's a, a very significant uh, you know, point. As discussed in previous verses, he was thinking of his son, but his son didn't have a name of Narayan, and therefore he was thinking of the name of Narayan, one way or another. Uh, and therefore, again, uh, it, it is uh, Vijayadvaj Tirtha gives a similar opinion, and these are all great stalwart, um, the uh, most... Um, uh, reputed, um, realized souls uh, giving their commentaries on the, on the Bhagavatam. Mrichu kale deha viyoga lakshana kale mrichu sarvadosha papa harasha hari anugrahat kale datagana lakshane upatiste hariri prakishate tanaye punagyane bali pancha vasakalpe pradesha matche Narayanaya have mati vishes matim smaranam smatam chitam chakara bhaktya smarana it yata. Directly or indirectly, our Jamil factually remembered Narayan at the time of death, anta Narayana smiti. So, <clears throat> this uh, verse, of course, shows the uh, 
how easily the goal of life can be achieved through bhakti uh, compared to other processes that if one follows other processes which are very difficult in themselves and doesn't remember the name of the Lord then there's very, there's, there can be some benefit uh, but if one gets stuck there <laughs> uh, and then falls from there uh, it's a, been a waste of time mm. uh, and, and you know those, those concepts are mentioned in the um, Bhagavad Gita in, at the end of the sixth chapter so the principle is this that um, Prabhupada points out that in his uh, lectures on these verses that in the previous verse Ajmil was referred to by the, na- by the term mudha, foolish the foolish man he cannot understand and in this verse again, again foolish like this so um, this is the nature uh, that because Ajmil had fallen from a platform of knowledge. So he was actually in a Brahmana family, a rigid Brahmana family. And, but he had fallen to a platform of ignorance. And uh, so this is very common in this age of Kali. And it is one of the reasons why people reject religion is that even those coming in the line of the priests and sometimes the priests themselves have become foolish they become foolish sometimes they become so absorbed in rituals thinking that that itself is the goal that if the ritual is performed it doesn't matter whether the people we perform the ritual for understand or even if I don't fully understand if the ritual is done everything is complete that's foolish so you know one thing that uh, um, surprises me uh, a lot of people ask for instance if I do a wedding they ask can you please explain because they don't know. Even they're coming in Brahmana families. That whatever they've heard has really confused them. I know, I know um, very intelligent persons, you know, well-educated, coming in Brahmana families, who converted to the Muslim religion because of the confusion that they got from what they heard from the members of the Hindu community that none of it made sense and they just gave up the whole thing and just became Muslim because they felt that at least someone is explaining something I can understand why follow something I can't understand and, and uh, you know I know one gentleman very nice family they asked me come there please have a chat see if you can find out <laughs> you know um, what is happening here and what has gone wrong? So, um, uh, the 
therefore, Ajmil, like most people in Kali Yuga, uh, are in the bodily concept of life. And the main teachings of the Vedas, they don't know. Generally, there's some, uh, there's a few traditional rituals and aspects of rituals they, they, they sort of can still remember, uh, although sometimes that's a little bit hodgepodge as well. The meaning of it is practically gone, and the meaning has been supplemented by, uh, by Google. The Google Guru. So, you know, people quite often tell me, you know, that they'll write out a, um, uh, you know, the meaning of all the steps in a, in a marriage and they send it to me. And <laughs> what do you think of this? This is what we're going to do and this is, uh, we're going to print this and distribute it to all the guests. <laughs> and every part is, it, it's uh, complete nonsense. So, um, you, know, the, the, you know, you can see that what is there on the internet is very misleading. Very, very misleading. Uh, you know, if you Google something, what is the meaning of this, what is the meaning of that? Very misleading. Right down to who are we worshipping this in the sacred fire? And there are so many, th and apart from the misleading interpretations, people generally, according to their particular modes of material nature, will latch on to part of it and other parts just neglect that anyway. So, you know, therefore you see what, what is common because. Uh, Mostly people, as this verse is quoted, you know, that the highest perfection either achieved by um, complete knowledge of matter and spirit, mystic powers, or by discharge of one's occupational duty. So in the, in, in the karma kanda process, the discharge of one's duty, you know, that uh, uh, we get our sons and daughters, uh, you know, nicely married to an appropriate partner, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they also get a nice home and education and job and, you know, raise children in such a way that they're a benefit to themselves and others. You know, everyone has their duties and they're a benefit to the, you know, the world. So, but the result of that, if I do my duty, I will go to heaven. Like that. Um, and therefore, demigods in particular are worshipped because there's a lot of advertisement in the Vedas, a lot of flowery words, that better than you live like an animal, we're going to encourage you because there's such a, so a laziness towards spiritual life, at least get on the path and we'll promise you some material benefits. <laughs> we'll just get you on the path. The beginning. You really, it's a very, there's a very materialistic goal, but if you follow that, it will purify you 
and actually the process will bring you to self-realization if you follow it properly, if you don't get stuck somewhere on the yoga ladder. So anyway, they're very attached to demigods. If you go, you know, I've been to India, Ganesh is everywhere. Giant statues of Ganesh. If you do a wedding, you know, some, some weddings I've gone into where it's not been here, you go into the hallway, and in the hallway there's a giant Ganesh. As soon as you walk in, you know, it's like about 10 feet tall or something like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes they want to chant uh, at least 108 mantras to Ganesh and, uh, you know, very elaborate puja. Uh, and then the, uh, you know, the worship of Narayan or, or Vishnu is, well, when, they wo when we worship the fire, they think they're worshipping another demigod, Agni. Or sometimes they think they're worshipping Shiva. Or if they accept that they're worshipping Vishnu, they think he's another demigod. <laughs> there is no transcendental lord. So Ganesh gets the you know, big prize at the entry. And so the understanding that, even in our nectar devotion, it does explain when we worship Ganesh, you can worship, you can, you know, it, uh, it explains in the Nectar Devotion, before beginning deity worship, one should worship Ganesh. It's one of the 64 items. Now, if one doesn't have a spiritual master, that may be appropriate. Because it, it's a part of purification and it removes obstacles from the heart and externally so you can worship the particular deity of the Lord. If one has a spiritual master, the removal of ob obstacles and the purification is thousands and thousands of times more complete. And also one is being given spiritual knowledge how to worship the deity for spiritual perfection, self-realization, God-realization. The devotees don't worship Ganesh, but they do worship the spiritual master, which gives the same result as worshiping Ganesh before any, you know, uh, religious ceremony is performed or worshiping the deities. Um, so sometimes, again, we worship the deities daily. A lot of people may worship the deities a few times in their life, perhaps when they move into a new home, they bring out the deity and do the worship, or at the time of wedding, you know, the worship, there may be a deity there. Um, and at that time, they may throw a Brahmin thread over their shoulder that they've never, they, they may not have ever been initiated as a Brahmin, they've never chanted the, any mantras, they don't follow any principles as a Brahmin, but uh, at that particular time, they've got the Brahmin thread over their shoulder, uh, they worship Ganesh, worship the deity. And, you know, so there's something there, there's a, you know, faint semblance. Uh, and the end result, of course, is not self-realization, I'm a spirit soul, I'm going to renounce everything in this world. 
it is, I will enjoy in this world <laughs> and I will go to heaven afterwards, like that. So that, that is the karma kanda process. <laughs> so um, now by that process, it's very unlikely one would think of God at the end of life. <laughs> but actually, the karma kanda process performed under spiritual guidance that instead of chanting a hundred eight names to Ganesh, one can offer a little flower or something to Ganesh, no harm, a little incense, what's the problem? Ganesh is a devotee of Krishna, he'll help. Shiva is also a devotee of Krishna, he'll help. They're devotees, we see them as devotees, we pray for all the devotees, please help us, that's not a problem. We don't see them as an independent god. I mean, my name is Gangeshwar, it's the name of Shiva. <laughs> So, I'm, I'm the servant of the servant of the Lord. So, Gangeshwar uh, Das, servant of Gangeshwar. So, of course, we understand that um, Gangeshwar is the name of Lord Vishnu and it's also the name of Lord Shiva. And if you chant like the Vishnu Sahasranam, you'll see that many names of Lord Vishnu are the same as a demigod's name because whatever quality that demigod has is actually a quality that is there in Vishnu. So <clears throat> when we uh, see Shiva, you know, he is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita as one of the opulences of Krishna in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. When we see Ganesh or Kartikeya, two sons of Shiva, we see them, these are opulences of the Lord. Uh, so we don't worship them as independent, but we can see them in relationship to the Lord. So when we worship them, we, we worship directly Krishna, and here is your representative in the form of this opulence, uh, we can do that. But better, if we take the guidance of a spiritual master, therefore Krishna, in the Bhagavad Gita, he explains many, many different processes of jagya, Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Stanga Yoga, in the, and he says at the end of that, but approach a bona fide spiritual master to get this, then you get the spiritual understanding by which all knowledge is revealed, and you come out of that status of being a mudha or in, in, the, in the state of ignorance. So, what happens that actually. The proper way to follow the Karma Kanda under the guidance, so every single person, whether they're following Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, or Astanga Yoga, according to the Supreme Lord, they still must have a spiritual master if they're going to make progress on that path. And if they don't accept a spiritual master, then how will they understand their, their uh, spirit soul, part and parcel of Krishna, a part and parcel of Narayan, the Supreme Lord? And how will they ever know the process of reviving their eternal relationship to the Supreme Lord through that particular form of yoga? That will never, you know, that will not just manifest automatically. It can happen in a moment by the grace of a spiritual master or over many, many, many lifetimes of arduous practice on these paths of yoga if one is doing them properly with a tinge of bhakti. So, what happens, so for instance, if one, previously we heard how uh, 
the custom is that people call their children uh, names of, you know, Narayan, Krishna, Vrindavan, like that, uh, Jamuna, you know, Kalindi, so that they know that the children and the parents are both directly or indirectly remembering God and his different aspects, his different opulences which are not different from him. When they perform that Nam, Nam Karana ceremony, sometimes you get many, many people and they come, you can have a, maybe 150 sometimes I've seen for the Nam Karana, I've seen like you can get 150 people for a hair cutting ceremony of the baby. But there are 10 principal samskaras and they come and in that ceremony, at that milestone, the priest is supposed to help them connect their duty with, in a way that it is done uh, in accord that is pleasing to the Supreme Lord following the different scriptural injunctions and they perceive that I am raising this child in such a way that at the end of life he shall go back to the spiritual world and by the way I raise him the child will go back to the spiritual world not that we're going to get caught in this cycle of going to the heavenly planets coming back down birth and death and then you know um, and even uh, when we come down from there we can become a rat so Prabhupada mentions that in Calcutta, he knew this one man. So these are very pious people. Uh, generation after generation. But Prabhupada said at the time of death, he was uh, uh, inquiring about uh, Kama, uh, what's, the, what's the name? Is that? Kamahati Mill. What are the shares? What are the current shares in the Kamahati Mill? Because it was a very popular firm where a lot of people had shares and made a lot of money. So at the time of death, uh, he was thinking like that. Despite all his, um, everything, you know, all his religious uh, activities, that's what his mind thought of. Prabhupada said, maybe he'll become a rat in that mill in his next life. <laughs> so, we can go to heaven. It's a very pious birth to take birth in India. It's called Punyabhumi the land of piety. You have to perform generally many, many pious activities over many lifetimes to take birth in India because generally the average person will come in contact more, uh, you know, with uh, spirituality, uh, concepts of self-realization or a soul. It is very prompt. The opportunity is there. They're not taking it, but the opportunity is there. So. Despite that coming even from uh, higher planetary systems, one can, next life one can become a rat. So <clears throat> um, we, we don't want that. Prabhupada said that you know, there was one Prime Minister of India. And of course that's a very pious position. He said next life, the astrologer said he'd become a dog in Sweden. <laughs> that's what the astrologer said from his chart. That's most likely. <laughs> but because as it says in the Gita, at the time of death, just as the air carries aroma, very subtle, you don't see the air and you don't see what it's carrying. 
but you know the air is carrying their aroma. So subtle, even more subtle, but it's there. Is the mentality of the person carries the soul into its next body. So that uh, the soul, the the life is with the subtle body, take the soul into its very subtle. Like that. So, but to avoid that, what the priest does is it at that ceremony. He explains the meaning of all the mantras because the mantras are the, it's the same mantras chanted by everyone. Actually, the principal mantras are the same, and they actually explain very clearly. When a child takes birth, the first mantra they hear that is, "You are immortal, just like the Supreme Lord." That is the mantra. It is told to the parents. It is told to the child. They speak it into his ear. You have the same quality as God. So, and then of course these days you have to explain that but the child is not God <laughs> and the child can't become God we cannot become God because in India, in many places you know, uh, even in Christianity the child, the son of God has now become God but he's the son except in some very, uh, let's say, fundamental forms of Christianity, they still accept God is God and Jesus is the Son of God. They still accept that. Um, <clears throat> so what happens is that if you perform all those samskaras, marriage being one of them, funeral rites for relatives that pass away, at the end of life, when your mind thinks back on the milestones of your life, so a mother and a parent look, you know, when the baby was born, they were given the name, they took their first grains, began their education, you know, they got married. So the parents will think like that. And in every one of those ceremonies, it is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And, the, and, and they were dedicating, yes, for the pleasure of the Supreme Lord, may this child, his activities in this world, please the Lord, may, may this, my daughter, my son, by this marriage, may they please the Supreme Lord, and everything like that. And in that way, the time of death, even if they think of the milestones of their life, it will help them to think of God, just like Narayan. And therefore, that process of karma kanda will actually give the same result that Arjamil got. And similarly, uh, the yoga ladder is progressive. Jnana kanda, uh, you know, stanga yoga, if one forms them properly, they are progressive and one is considered very fortunate and it does lead to the next goal of bhakti. Because what happens? When one performs karma yoga, one becomes purified and gradually one comes to knowledge. That allows one to become progressive in jnana yoga, the process where one is more interested not in the rituals of religion for materialistic purposes, but 
really understanding and practicing those things which help one to understand I'm a spirit soul. The difference between matter and the spirit. And where did this matter, that, that matter comes from Brahman, it comes from spirit, like that. If one is progressive, one can understand then the nature of the supreme soul, that the individual soul is minute, and this one supreme soul is unlimited. If one progresses in the Stanga Yoga, one may come to the point, by association with the devotee, that if I'm part of the spiritual energy of the one Supreme Lord, that would make me the eternal servant of God. <laughs> I want to serve him eternally and be in my constitutional position. Then one takes the bhakti. See, so they're progressive, it's a natural progression. If karma yoga is done without some pushing for the pursuit of self-realization and connecting everything with the Supreme, it is a useless waste of time. And one will not progress to the next level. If, as Prabhupada says, um, if jnana yoga, if one is practicing jnana yoga, you know, austerities, study of the Vedas. One is gathering so much knowledge and has no understanding of oneself, it's a waste of time. There are many pundits that will argue with you over every point. One, one day I was giving a class here and I said, Arjun did this. And at the end of the class, someone, I said, any question? Yes. It's not Arjun, it's Arjuna. So I started saying Arjuna, and then someone picked me up, someone else, somewhere else, from a different part of India. No, it's not Arjuna, it's Arjun. I'm thinking, do any of you know what Arjun actually did? <laughs> no, but the, you know, there's so much, the pundit, the Sanskrit pundits, but there's no knowledge of the self, then what is the value? You cannot progress and it's a waste of time. If one comes to the point of a stanga yoga and does not surrender to the Supreme Lord, again, they become stuck. And they can become... Um, if the soul is not engaged in its eternal constitutional activity, we must engage in some other activity. And that other activity is some aspect of foolishness or there's a lack of knowledge. It must be. Only when the soul comes to the point of bhakti yoga, it's considered that is the platform of acting in full knowledge. All ignorance is removed. Otherwise, on any other platform, there is some contamination. So, now, here we see that Ajmil, he's thinking of his son, and the process of karma yoga is what Krishna recommends as the best. Karma yoga in Krishna consciousness. You can take to dry jnana yoga, mental speculation, but it's not natural for the soul because there's no activity. And one has to be completely purified to take to that path anyway. Whereas karma yoga will gradually purify one. 
especially if done properly. What to speak of, you know, yoga, stanga yoga, again, great austerities, great difficulties, um, and, um, uh, you know, sitting in meditation in a complete state, lifelong state of celibacy, uh, how is that possible? That, that's, that's also not possible. So Krishna recommends. The best way is to follow karma yoga in full knowledge, gained by association with devotees. You perform all your natural activities that you're attached to, but that leads, that, that's filled with the remembrance of the Lord and that will take you back to Godhead very easy. And more than that, if we do come to the point of bhakti and we're always remembering the Lord, the Lord personally helps us. Therefore, <clears throat> um, Prabhupada asked this question, which is better? The cat carries its kittens in the mouth and the monkey carries its babies on the back. What is the better process? I'll ask you. The cat carrying the kittens, why is that? The cat who has the strength and more wisdom is actually looking after the baby kitten who has less strength and less understanding of the dangers of the world. See? In all other yoga processes, if we don't connect with Krishna, with Bhakti, we are trying to get out of the material world. It's like trying to swim, swim the ocean without any help from anyone. You actually, and it's not possible. You actually need someone to pick you up and take you out. And that is the bhakti process. I was, when I was coming here, I stopped at the garage to just uh, pop in for a minute. And uh, when I came out, uh, there was an RAC van there. And as I was getting in my car, uh, this uh, Indian chap saw me. And uh, he said, oh, Hare Krishna. So I, I thought, <laughs> I'll go over and say hello. So I went and said hello. He says, you won't believe this. He said, I'm sitting here having a break and I'm watching this movie. And the movie, it's an Indian movie about Krishna. This little child fell in the river and he's going to drown. And so the child calls out, Krishna. And what happens is as soon as he calls out Krishna, the police officer comes along and rescues him. And the little boy who's worshipped Krishna in his childhood understands Krishna has come and sent this police officer to save me. So he's saying to me, I'm sitting here thinking of Krishna and you have immediately come here. <laughs> so he says, give me a picture, give me a photo like that. So, um, but I was understanding, Krishna was helping me because I have to give class this morning, and Krishna's helping him, that he helps. And um, I sometimes, I especially see that sometimes when doing hair shaving, really hard to cut the hair, it's hard to even touch the head of a child, you know, if they, especially a COVID child, it means they haven't seen other adults or anyone for two years, 
So you come into the home, it's like, what? There's other people on this planet? You try and, you know, touch, you know, it's like, Mum, what's happening? There's someone in the house, you know. <laughs> so you try and cut their hair, it's really hard. But Krishna helps. So I, I was at this place uh, the other day, they're sitting there. The child, the, the sister was there, the auntie, um, his auntie, and she couldn't hold this kid. He was wiggling around and, you know, just during the fire sermon and everything like that. So he really, uh, so very, very active, you know, and she was struggling. The mother was, so the mother got the city, you please come and we're not going to. Anyway, when we did the haircutting, he just sat there, didn't move, didn't make a sound. And then uh, they offered me some bashar. I went and sat down and the, the little boy, so he's about, he's about three or something, and the daughter, who's about four, they both come and sat beside me and they kept wanting me to hand feed them. And the mother said, he doesn't speak to anyone. How are you doing that, Pundit? He won't talk to anyone. And <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm understanding that I'm not doing anything. If there's someone doing something, it's Krishna. You know, he's helping like that. And therefore, you know, in the Chaitanya Talamrita, it says, things, if you remember the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, very difficult things become very easy to execute. And if you forget the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then easy things become very difficult. Like that. So, now this, of course, again, in the, if we have the association of devotees, it makes a big difference. So, Narayan Sheila, coming back to this point here, it is said, so I take a Narayan Sheila whenever I do a ceremony, and I say to them, I love to say this, if you worship 10 million Shiva Lingas, that means you worship Shiva, you chant 10 million names of Shiva, whatever, you'll get the same benefit, or almost as good, not quite, by chanting one name of Vishnu. What to speak of Ganesh? You'd have to worship, you know, to, to get the benefit of chanting Shiva's name, You'd have to chant the other minor demigods so many times to get the benefit of chanting Shiva's name. If you chant all the demigods' names, millions and millions of times, one name of Narayan or Krishna, uh, Narayan, Vishnu, you get that benefit. If you chant uh, one name of Ram, you get the same benefit as chanting 1,000 names of Vishnu. And if you chant three Rams, you get the same benefit by once chanting Krishna. Therefore, instead of so many mantras and rituals and what have you, a little Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And uh, therefore, in the Gita, you see in those verses in the 8th chapter where it describes that we should remember, to remember the Lord at the time of death, we can go to the Lord, especially as described in the 13th chapter, one who always remembers the Lord. For them, it's guaranteed. Very, very easy. I'll just read that verse just to conclude everything. 8th chapter. 
So everything we do should be accompanied by the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Uh, and, and we should perform all our activities in full knowledge of how to dovetail them in the service of Lord Sri Krishna, who is the source of Narayan and the very source of Vishnu. Uh, let's see, is it 13, 14? Oh yeah, 14. Ananya Chaita Satatam Yomam Smarati Nichisa Tashyaham Sulabhapata Nichi Yuktashi Yoganaha. For one who always remembers me without deviation, I am easy to obtain, O Sanaprita, because of his constant engagement in devotional service. And the last part of this purport, Srila Prabhupada says, in any of these ways. The pure devotee is always constantly engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Supreme Lord and cannot forget the Supreme Lord and so for him the Lord is easily attained. A pure devotee cannot forget the Supreme Lord for a moment and similarly the Supreme Lord cannot forget his pure devotee for a moment. And this is the great blessing of the Krishna consciousness process of chanting the Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So there we see also that, you know, with everything we do, because the mind is so fickle and it tends to go back to the material, you know, goals, if we do everything that's natural for us in this life, but in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, and try to remember the Lord, which is made very easy by chanting uh, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra as we do everything we do, then at, the, at that time, especially the more we think of Krishna, then he is constantly thinking of us. Therefore, one may think, what about Arjun? He's on the battlefield. What if he dies and he's not thinking of Krishna? What if I'm doing my duty? I'm looking after the house, looking after my children. I'm at work and I don't think of Krishna. And this is the point that Krishna helps you. So one time Tamal Krishna said the same thing. Prabhupada, you know, management, you know, is because uh, Tamal Krishna is sannyas, he loved to preach and, you know, do kirtan and study the books, but Prabhupada also had him managing. And he said, you know, there's management, it's very hard to do that and remember Krishna because you're dealing with so many things that, you know, almost... So what if I leave my body? And, I'm, and he said, this work is very important. If you do your service and try to remember Krishna, at the time of death, if you somehow don't think of Krishna, Lord Chaitanya will incarnate within your mind and help you to remember him. Shishi Gornatai Kijai, Shishi Radha Balava Kijai, Shishi Jaganapalansabhadra Kijai, Shri Prabhupada Kijai, Hare Krishna. Any quick questions or com uh, comments? No? Good? Hello, good <laughs>